0: to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I was daydreaming. Somebody said, <laughs> now your host. Is that me? Hi. How you doing? Welcome back. I am feel like I'm saying to myself when I say that, but uh, it's August 19th. I haven't uh, sat in this chair for Over a week, and uh, of course, in these times, an awful lot of news has uh, come and gone. And uh, there were many days when I thought, "Oh, damn! I'd like to, you know, sound off about that." But uh, and now I can't even remember what any of it was. I suppose uh, the strange, convenient death of Jeffrey Epstein might have had been one of those uh, one of those stories that made me think I wish I could talk Um, yeah it just keeps happening I I do continue to recommend taking time off to uh, at least a vacation from the constant outpouring of, of frightening, frightening news. I I came upon some something and this was on you know Twitter, I'm sorry, but sometimes amazing things pop up on Twitter. Uh, people dig stuff up from our not-so-distant past, uh, well to some of you it would be, uh, but this is from 1980 so That's what, 40 years ago. Uh, I was uh, at the time about to come to Pittsburgh in 1980. But at that time, a, um, a man, Governor, I think he would have been governor at the time, right? Ronald Reagan. I never remember dates and what, and maybe not. Ronald Reagan was for some reason debating George. H.W. Bush. And uh, this was at a League of Women Voters forum. Um, I'm trying to think what it would have been. Would they both have been trying for the Republican nomination? Those of you who don't have a problem with numbers, dates, and things like that. And um, it's just snippets from this debate. And the subject is illegal immigration. And here are two men, both now former residents of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, both rose to be presidents of the United States, representing the Republican Party. And I will just share with you some of what the back and forth is. Reagan says, why don't we work out some recognition of our mutual problems, make it possible for these people to come here and work. Bush says, we're creating a whole society of really honorable, decent, family-loving people in violation of the law. And they're not disagreeing with each other. Bush says, I don't want to see a whole, a whole thing of children uh, being totally uneducated and made to feel that they're living outside the wall, Re- Walt Law. Reagan says, and and then while they're working and they're paying taxes here, open the border both ways, says Reagan. Uh, Bush says, I'd like to see something done about this problem that would be so sensitive and so understanding about labor needs and human needs that the problem wouldn't come up anymore. Reagan says the U.S. and our neighbors, particularly, I didn't see that, should have a better understanding, we have a better relationship. We haven't been sensitive enough, says Reagan, to our size and our power. Bush says these are good people. These are strong people. Those are two Republicans back and forthing about, trying to deal with the problem of uh, the fact that many people in America did not have proper papers, were in fact here illegally. They did not in any way demonize them. In fact, they were making sure that people understood that these were good, honorable, hardworking, decent people who pay taxes here. Reagan at one point was talking about we, we should be letting this free flow of people back and forth between our countries. We would be made stronger for it. Reagan saying we're not sensitive enough to our power and our strength and how we use it. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Just 40 years ago. So, a lot can happen, I guess, in 40 years. Hmm? I wanted to share that. Here's another blast from the past that I have to share. This I came upon um, in, the, I think, the Wall Street Journal this weekend. I don't know how well you'll be able to see it. I'm going to hold it up. It's a it's a black and white photo. Um, in the 50s and the 60s, uh, I- and even now, um, one actor's name was sort of synonymous with masculinity, you know, who I'm thinking about. 50s, 60s, even now. He's dead. But even now, if you invoke his name, you're invoking a certain kind of absolutely irrefutable masculinity. John Wayne. And the Wall Street Journal, in its style section, doing a story about fashion, men's fashion, printed a picture of John Wayne in 1959. He's smoking a cigarette, because in 1959, that was cool. He's on vacation in Acapulco. What he is wearing, and please tell me you can see this, is mind-blowing. Should I put something up behind it so that the light doesn't get through here? Tell me that this is being seen. Okay. John Wayne. He's wearing what can only be called short shorts. I mean, these things, and the article says, couldn't have had more than a one-inch inseam. There is not a man alive today who would be caught dead in these. I, I, I mean, this would be, look at that. And on his feet are like very feminine espradils, I believe is the term for that kind of shoe. He's got a shoulder bag, like a purse. Look at that. John Wayne, 1959. (laughs) It blew my mind. It said in the article that Wayne loved wearing these short shorts. He loves showing off his legs. I think this looks so bizarre. When I saw it, I thought it was some kind of thing like that was photoshopped or something, but just had to share that before we get into something a little more consequential. Uh, I understand yesterday, was, the, was it the 100th anniversary of the uh, passage of the 19th Amendment that gave women the right to vote? I think. I'm talking a lot about time here. I mean, my first mention of Reagan and H.W. Bush 40 years ago. And how, to me, that doesn't 1980 does not seem like a long time ago to me in my life, and and yet, look at how much could happen a hundred years ago, I guess as you get older, it just doesn't seem now like that long a time either. We women have been allowed to vote only in the last hundred years. My grandmother was born into a world in which she could not vote. When it gets that close, you know, it, it just doesn't seem that far away. And and back to Twitter, somebody tweeted something that I'm confused about and I'm hoping some of you, being so bright, will be able to tell me what the references are. I understand only one. Um, this is somebody who's talking about Republicans always wanting to suppress uh, the vote and it says that 100 years ago white women earned the right to vote in America but other ethnicities had to wait and my sense I couldn't figure out where they were coming from because I don't think the 19th amendment I'm going for my constitution here I don't think the 19th Amendment, uh, eighteen nineteen. here it is. It's titled Women's Suffrage and it says, the right of citizens of the United States to vote shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. So, there's nothing about white women specifically. But this person is essentially saying that even though the 19th Amendment was passed, he says Asian women really weren't able to vote until 1952. What's he talking about? My, Is this something post-World War II with Japanese Americans? I, I can't, I don't know. And. And he says Native American women really didn't have the vote till 1957. I don't know what he's talking about. And black women, he said, really didn't have the vote until 1965. I do know what he's talking about there. Because you can supposedly have the right to vote, but because of uh, voter suppression laws and regulations that were aimed at denying black men and women the right to vote, it took the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, to at least finally uh, put into the law that which allowed black people in America. I'm just unaware of what legislation they might be talking about in regard to Asian and Native American women, and if they're saying Asian and Native American women, I'm assuming they're saying Asians and Native Americans, and if there was the same kind of uh, voter suppression uh, against them. I I don't know if I were um, less inert. I I might have tried to do some research myself, but I'm just in the off chance that some of you might know what this uh, guy is talking about. And because I understand what he's saying about black women not really getting the right until 65, and I understand that and agree with it. Um, I don't know. So for... Still, most of our country's history it's it's only been white men who have even had the right to vote. A little more history this was in a um a piece uh, in the New York Times about how Barack Obama uh, came to choosing Joe Biden as his uh, vice president. And um, I'm not going to go way, way back and talk about um, much of it. But there was something in this article that I had been trying to remember, a quote that at the time Biden said it, just blew me away. And thank God it's resurrected in this article, so now I can remind you that it was said. And the reason I've been trying to remember it is because Biden has, apparently, according to polls, incredible support in the black community. And I'm not quite sure why, but I guess, I, I guess the reason is is because he served as Barack Obama's vice president and because they so clearly uh, developed a warm and close relationship. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But that was not the initial reaction, uh, believe me. And the quote I'm thinking of this is when people are jockeying in 2008 uh, to make the run for the Democratic nomination. And Biden, as usual, is in the mix. And he was asked by a reporter from the New York Observer something about the candidacy of Barack Obama. And this is the quote, and I, I still can't believe it. He said, he, Joe Biden, 2007, said, oh, it was in 2007. He said of Barack Obama, and these are his words, that Obama was the first mainstream African-American who is articulate and bright and clean and a nice-looking guy. (laughs) I remember reading that and just being astonished. By the outright condescension and racism, is what it seemed like to me, of, of what Biden said. That's 2007. This is the Joe Biden that says things all the time that are like, whoa, 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 What? What? He said of Barack Obama, and I I mean, he's wrong, and he's just, I mean, it's wrong on every count, is the first mainstream African American who is articulate and bright and clean. What does that mean? Those are all, those are, the suggestion is, is that African Americans, what, are dirty and stupid and I uh, can't put two words together in a sentence? Would you say that about... And I, I mean, I, it, it, it even now makes me go nuts. So how the hell does a guy who says that about Barack Obama end up... <laughs> being his vice president, and then being his pal. Seriously. It's a long story. Uh, the Obama campaign was really not quite sure for a long time. Uh, they still hadn't... Obama was definitely getting the nomination, um, And he started auditioning his vice presidential, potential vice presidents. And in this article, uh, David Axelrod, who, as you know, was his campaign, uh, I don't know, was not the manager, I think Pluff was the manager, but Axelrod right there running things. Axelrod says in the article, that he goes to talk to, to start vetting Biden. And he said, basically, I said, forgive me for being so blunt, but how do we know you know how to shut up? This is what Axelrod says to Biden. And here is the next sentence in the story, according to Axelrod. About an hour later, he finished answering. (laughs) So (laughs) so I asked him another question. So these are are these. Biden's mouth is, in fact, uh, of concern to people who know his history. And um, Axelrod does go on to say, but the next eight years are the stuff of buddy movie lore, a shotgun marriage that gradually turned into a love story. That the two guys really, really love each other and um and that Obama speaks has spoken to almost and every aspirant to the nomination now, but has given uh Biden probably more time And in the article, it makes clear that Obama did not think, I think, it's not stated clearly, so I shouldn't say makes clear, suggests that Obama did not think Biden should run. That he missed, that the timing is wrong, and he is quoted Obama as saying to Biden earlier this year, You don't have to do this, Joe. You really don't. And it also says that Obama has been concerned with the people that Biden has surrounded himself with. Says here the two of them had a quiet lunch in Washington last month and Obama hammered away at the need for Biden's campaign to expand beyond this aging inner circle he surrounds himself by. And Obama has gone further and has communicated his frustration that Biden's advisors are too old. And too out of touch with the current political climate, I'm in agreement with that uh. Okay, Milton is sending me stuff about all the stuff having to do with voting rights, and I... Oh, wait a minute. This isn't the 100th anniversary. It's 1920, it says, women are guaranteed the right to vote by the 19th Amendment. It's the 99th anniversary. (laughs) We haven't even had 100 years, ladies. Jeez. In 1924 Oh, this guy had a, 1924 native Amer- all native Americans are granted citizenship How nice of us And the right to vote through the Indians had already been gotten citizenship but it had to do with tribal affiliation. Okay, so 1924. 1943, Chinese immigrants are given the right to citizenship and the right to vote by the Magnuson Act. Jesus H., 1961 residents of Washington D.C. Oh, God <laughs> are granted the right to vote in presidential elections. Uh, how you know D.C.'s uh status is an outrage. It's just an outrage that there is this little this little part of the United States that is overwhelmingly African American, by the way, that doesn't have full representation in the Congress and didn't get the right to vote in presidential elections until 1961. Okay. I don't know. Incredible. Okay, what else I got here? Uh, An interesting story I thought when I was still not here. was uh you know, you know whose visit to the uh to that shell plant being built and the news that came out of that uh quite a bit of news that came out of that that um first of all that the huge crowd of orange vested or green-vested, do they have green vests on, uh, that were were there, uh, were there because otherwise they wouldn't get paid overtime. So the crowd was huge, huge, right, because if they weren't there, they wouldn't have been paid. Not only that, they were told... That they were not allowed to in any way voice, voice any, you know, like heckle or shout something out. They were to sit there and appear to be wrapped in their attention to the president. This is an outrage. And that union leaders went along with this is even more of an outrage. And while we're piling up outrages, this was called an official White House event, which means that you and I paid for it. We paid for the security. We paid for Air Force One. We paid for all that crap, the entourage, but... Anyone who witnessed this speech with its bought audience, with who were told to shut up, knows that Trump, of course, made it into a political gathering. Um, and if it was a political gathering by U.S. law, that means we don't pay for it. The White House still insists we are paying for it. And you can bet we're paying for it. But I think it's quite clear that when he was at that plant, he flat out was denigrating Democrats by name. He was telling these people to vote for him he was saying uh, if their union bosses didn't uh, endorse him or tell him tell them to vote for Trump that they should i'll get the right don't vote them vote them the hell out of office he was talking about elizabeth war excuse me pocahontas on and on and on federal law prohibits using taxpayer dollars To aid a political campaign. The amount of corruption and just theft. How many cities, by the way, and what is? does anyone know the final number? How many cities does Trump owe money? Because he's flown in, often when they didn't want him, like El Paso. And he costs them hundreds of thousands of dollars. And a lot of cities don't just have hundreds of thousands of dollars lying around. He is supposed to repay them. Those are political events that I'm talking about. And he does not. He stiffs them like he stiffed all his contractors when he was doing business. Not that he's not doing business now, really amazing <laughs> Milton has sent me yeah uh, the qu- one of the quotes of the week uh this is in regard <laughs> this is in regard uh to uh, possible gun legislation and um, I believe was it a was it a state legislator who uh, said this (laughs) Uh, I believe it was it it was uh, a woman state legislator who said oh no she wasn't she's a chief NRA lobbyist and here's what she said in arguing that these gun laws were a travesty. The quote's beyond belief. You've probably seen it. How do you tell a 10-year-old little girl who got a Ruger ten twenty two with a pink stock for her birthday that her rifle is an assault weapon and she has to turn it over to the government or be arrested for felony possession? Uh, how many 10 year old, I I mean, all I want for my birthday is... A Ruger 1022 with a pink stock? Okay. Well, that's why I gotta tell you, we're living in two different worlds. And I agree with people who say we shouldn't try to sort of. Reason with the people living in that. You can't reason with somebody like that. You can't. I mean, we got no common ground. You would think you'd have common ground with. I don't think it's a really good birthday present to give an assault rifle to a 10 year old girl. To anybody for that matter. Extraordinary. Speaking of little girls, oh, we have a caller. Thank you for reminding me, because I am out to lunch. Caller, go ahead, please.
0: Yes, good morning, Lynn. Good morning. Hey, Lynn, it, um, uh, the president was just at the uh, at the Cracker at the Cracker ba- the Cracker plant up in uh, Beaver last week, correct?
1: Yeah, I was just talking about that
0: okay right my question is and i don't maybe i'm crazy i thought we were having plastic was taking over the the world and we're awash in it and if we don't solve the plastic problem we're going to basically suffocate ourselves with plastic so this plant up in beaver that everybody's touting is the greatest revolutionary since sliced bread is making plastic beads to make more plastic. I can't. Can you tell me how this? No. How that if you're trying to remove something. Who's trying to reduce uh, something?
1: Capitalists.
0: There's plastic shell. No, not the capitalists. No, well, uh, no, they're, they're trying to make more plastics.
1: Yeah. Um, so, okay. No. This oh, is, I
0: see. Oh, I I see. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I get it. Yeah. The people oh, who are not that...
1: in power are the ones who know that what will be produced there will only further the demise of uh, of the planet and the flora and fauna uh, attempting to live on it. It's disgusting and that plant in many ways is an ecological environmental nightmare. I know someone who had a home very near it when it was clear it was going to be built She and her husband sold the house at a bit of a loss and got the hell out because, first of all, property values all around there are going to go down, and the air pollution, water pollution, everything, every bad thing you can imagine going up. But there'll be jobs for people producing stuff that will destroy the planet. What's wrong? you got a problem? And,
0: and and then once the plant's built, there really don't need that many people to run the plant. That you know what I'm saying that's they were talking about all these jobs. Actually the job's just for the creation of the plant itself. Once the plant itself is created, and then it just does uh, you don't need that many people, actual human beings, you just need materials. More more oil, more of this natural gas to turn into pellets so we can get more plastic out. Mhm. I, I know, I. I Listen. I don't get. It. I mean, we should be thinking of ways to remove plastic. If we could f- think of a plant in Beaver, I'd be all for it. If we had a plant that we can create an idea to help remove plastics, then we could employ people to figure out how, what are we doing instead of going. We're going reverse. It's like we're going to the wall, and it's like here we're heading to the wall. Hit the gas pedal. Okay. Hit the gas pedal. That's right. Because I, right. Mean, no, wait, I mean,
1: you, you look. I mean, you're you know. I mean, we are we are being led by by greedy fools, um, irresponsible, evil. I'm greedy fools, and we, it's why there's so much despair and anxiety in the world right now. We know any thinking person know we are in a crisis globally. Yeah, and we're. And life goes on as usual, whistling past the graveyard of our own planet.
0: This is Trump's It's, it's, a, crisis in le- it's, it's a crisis in leadership worldwide, actually. I mean, from China to the United States. Right.
1: It's capitalism run I mean, amok. it's capitalism. It's capitalism yeah, and it's, run amok. And that, and that they, they triumphed. The capitalists won. And they're going to destroy everything
0: everything i know i mean i, just, I hate. Uh, yeah no, you're right i mean look at amazon look at all these big one of these corporations they just run everything into the ground and then once it's done they blame everybody else say it's your fault you didn't do your job right well you crushed everything knowledge little grumbles we used little pick up little pieces the trickles the trickles that these didn't even come down to the lower crest that trump said we were going to get the trickles a month Nobody got no trickles. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we got trickles. We got little turds, maybe little turdies. Come on, There's no trickles of pee. We got poop. I don't know, Lynn. Well, I don't. I mean, I. I hope. That, I hope. I hope. I hope to God. I, I think that things are starting. Maybe starting to turn. With the leader, maybe they are gonna. Maybe we'll appoint somebody else as a president next time. Who knows? I don't no, know.
1: Nah. Hopefully. Yeah, this is too maybe. But mean I, Listen, don't worry. We'll, we'll buy Greenland, and, 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 and everything will be okay. Okay? I,
0: thanks, Lynn. <laughs> yeah. thanks, for the, thanks for the tip of the day. Yeah, <laughs> right. okay. Talk Bye. to you, Lynn. Bye. Bye now.
1: Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's hard for me, doing all the reading I do, not to keep bumping into articles about how, uh, you know, when we talk about, well, what the caller was talking about and the, our total uh, refusal as a nation to deal with the massive environmental Challenges that face us and everyone else on the planet. Um, and people often say think of your children, think of your grandchildren, right? Think of your grandchildren. Don't these don't these SOBs have grandchildren? <laughs> what world are they leaving? And, and yet I keep reading things about the fact that we're already creating an environment, and I'm not even talking environmentalism. We are already and have created in this country an environment that is absolutely detrimental to the physical, mental, and developmental health of our children. This is a bad place to be a child. America's children are anxious, more anxious than they've ever been, more suicidal, more depressed. I have looking at a piece from the Wall Street Journal titled The Lonely Burden of Today's Teenage Girls I'm looking at a piece from the New York Times, we have ruined childhood. I've been saying that for years but now they're starting to get data and numbers. Wow. Pity the children. We have screwed up big time. I I have a caller. Are they still there? Call or go ahead. Hi, Lynn. Hi.
2: Hey, I I live in Beaver County. I don't live too close for to that plant, but I, I was, I'm totally against the whole damn thing from the beginning. Just a nightmare. But they got, I think, six thousand construction workers, or I don't know what the number is. They're taunting all these jobs. Now, those jobs are going to go away. They're going to go somewhere else, those construction. So I'm just curious when the end result how many jobs is going to be. I'd be lucky if it was 200. I'm not even sure that all those people would be even hired from here in Beaver County or local. They could be from out of state, too. And the community colleges running a program so you could work in the cracker plant. It's just unbelievable. But the worst thing of all, up at the mall, Behind the mall, they built a cancer center. That's all I can say. Okay. A cancer center. So right. what does that? They're participating something. going to make a little money on people, you know, dying. It's just unbelievable that we're so fucking stupid in this Beaver County, which I can't stand. This place to begin with. Should have moved out of here years ago. But we do so many dumb things. They're closing the nuke plant, uh... Bruce Mansfield or whatever. And now they're going to bring this shit here now. I think, good, close that. But of course, there's going to be a couple thousand jobs down there lost. That's kind of bad. Right? But now they put this in. And it's just going to be ruin the air, ruin the water. What are we, the fourth in the country for in Pennsylvania? It's just amazing how the stupidity there's never a shortage of stupidity when it comes to government. It really isn't.
1: No. No.
2: <laughs> All right. So. Thank you. That's all I got to
1: say. All right. Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.
1: God help you. Barbara wants to know if I watched 60 Minutes last night. No, I was um, I was at to dinner with friends. But the segment was about birds living near waterways and how they all have you cut them open when they're dead, and they're filled. With plastic they're filled with oh we know that actually they're finding um, whales that are washing up uh, and you look inside them and there's tons of plastic. I don't know about tons I mean in one, but maybe I don't know it's we're disgusting. <laughs> I just have to say. As a species, we are by far. There's no one close to the destructiveness of us, the arrogance of us. God should have stopped on the fifth day. Didn't he have everything on the fifth day except uh, us? Stop right there. And in fact, if we're going to have a seven-day week, we'll do Saturday and Sunday as a whole weekend for the birds and the bees and the flowers and the plants. As I was saying... I mean, there's data in now, a lot of studies by psychologists. American children today are more depressed than they were during the Great Depression, more anxious than they were during the Cold War. In America, we have set up a system in which now two incomes are generally required, which pushes. Both parents out of the house, leaving children warehoused in a lot of instances for long stretches of time. School days are longer, they're more regimented. Kindergarten, I remember kindergarten as essentially we went there and played. We drew and we this and that and we, I don't know, we didn't do I didn't know how to read when I got out of kindergarten. I don't even know if I knew how to count. I don't know. Kindergarten was... And look, I look around and I got educated, but I was allowed a childhood. You're taking recess away from them. We're making them eat in 20 minutes. Kids are so stressed out, the suicide rate... For children, and you know, way higher during the school year. We give them homework, even though every study says bad idea, not good. We make them go to school at the wrong times in terms of their biological clocks. We test them and test them and test them and ratchet up pressure. Parents, you know, just control every aspect of a child's life. A kid doesn't even know how to walk down the street and go to a kid. You know, I've railed about this for 20, 30 years now. I didn't really understand it till I had a child. And I was a good 20 years older than most of the other parents. And I didn't understand the the way they were so super super involved to the point of not allowing their kids to be kids this weekend i had such a wonderful time sitting in my backyard where a n- neighbor two houses over had put you know one of those It's not a huge pool. It's an above-ground pool that's, you know, like this high. And all weekend, from like morning till night, I heard the sound of children playing in a swimming pool. They were laughing and happy and making up games and splashing around. And I thought, you know, this is the sound of childhood that I recall. But the sound of childhood now is often silence. Oh, they've got a headset on and they've got a screen. But they're not out inventing games, creating They spend afternoons, weekends, summers in regimented kinds of activity. What the hell? How are they supposed to learn any kind of social skills where you screw up and you learn how to meet people and you learn how to deal with people and bad situations And you're, because you're uh, by yourself or with another kid? No parent around to intervene. Kids now, in their 20s, call their parents every friggin' day, 20 times a day. Mom, what should I do? Mom, what should I do? Good God! We have infantilized an entire generation. We've taken childhood away. We have ruined it. Ruined it. Ruined it. Ruined it. Totally ruined it. It's so ruined, it's beyond belief. And we're seeing the impact now. I mean, for those of... And and I don't see anybody moving away from doing anything about it. Parents are even more sort of like, got to get to the right school. Got to do this. Got to do that. You got to go here. You got to go there. I mean, my God. You think that's a good way to raise a child or are you just trying to raise a child you can brag about to the mother next door about what school they're going to and what special something they're doing for their summer to put on a resume? I don't understand any of it. It doesn't make good people. Studies show girls, now, 2019, teenage girls, tend to be more risk-averse than any other generation. They're very fond of their families. That's a good thing, I guess. Because that's the only place that they've sort of been allowed to sort of... That's, that, Mommy! They also experience higher levels of anxiety and depression and loneliness. A survey by the Pew Research Center in 2019 this year found that 36% of girls report being extremely anxious every day. What are they anxious about? Here are their responses. Being killed in school. the melting polar ice, whether they will be able to afford college. Look at those three things. Those are three failures on the part of us, all leadership, all governments. Many girls say, ask who their best friends are, say they're mothers. I'm sorry, I don't think that's a good idea. Girls today are not as self-sufficient as their counterparts in earlier decades. They are less likely to possess driver's license, work outside the home, or date. They are more solitary. They spend six to nine hours a day online when they do eventually leave home they often find themselves ill-prepared to navigate real life. The American College Health Association says that 31 percent of female freshmen in this country experience, experience overwhelming anxiety or panic attacks. Excuse me, that was in 2011. 2016 That number had risen from 31% to 62%. Let's end on something nice. Um, I'm reading the New York Times today. The, um, I don't know what section this was in, but it was this whole story. About an independent bookshop in Squirrel Hill, Pittsburgh, PA. I at first thought it was obviously talking about the independent bookshop in Squirrel Hill that I frequent, but it, then I looked at the picture, and I thought, "Huh, it wasn't." The bookstore I frequent, whose name I'm blanking on, I cannot believe it, recently won like one of top. It was in the top five or some independent bookshops in the country or something. Something wonderful. And now here's another bookshop just around the corner and two blocks down that is getting all this press. Stop using Amazon. Do not buy your books there. Damn it. Pittsburgh has so many wonderful bookshops, and they're not chains And this one is, well, this one also has a second store just around the corner from where I'm sitting now. It's called Amazing Books on Liberty Avenue, Amazing Books on Murray Avenue, okay? And it's a whole story about the guy who runs it never finished high school the guy who runs it but if you go in there he can talk to you about anything any book and people just love going in and talking Um, he's got 12,000 books on the floor in both stores Um, he is an observant Jew so The store is closed on Saturdays, the Jewish Sabbath. And it says here, I mean, some sections like biography and literature are alphabetically organized, but other shelves have a logic all their own. On one, a Calvin and Hobbes compendium sits next to William Burroughs' Naked Lunch. I love stores like this. In the vinyl racks, because he has records, the greatest of Nat King Cole is one flip away from Elvis Costello and the attractions. Goodbye, cruel world, excuse me. And the guy who runs it uh, just came here in 2000. uh, What He came here because he was chasing a woman. And he got her. And now they live here. And The reason he got into the bookstore thing is he came down here to the Department of Motor Vehicles, which is essentially two, st- two stores down from where I'm sitting now. This was in 2013. He goes into the DMV, and when he walked out, he was just, you know, wandering around the corner, and he sees this bookstore called Awesome Books. And he goes in, begins talking to the guy who owns it. And he said, you know, I've worked in a bookstore, and I always dreamed about opening one. And the guy said, well, I'm trying to sell this. And so that's how he got the one on Liberty Avenue. He couldn't get the name, so he changed it from awesome to amazing. (laughs) Amazing Books and within five years he gets this big write-up in the New York Times Um, he says a bookstore like literature and music should enlarge us not make us feel small and by the way, his, his name is uh, Eric Ackland, he's in his forties, I think. He says, a book's. then he says, early on in my grand tour of menial jobs, I realized that I had an incredible opportunity to make a moment of a stranger's day better. And that was a priceless thing, a moral obligation. Check it out. Amazing books. Murray Avenue. Next to Pinsker's. Okay. Thank you all. I'll see you tomorrow.